Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our newest and greatest podcast. And this will be on renal inflammatory disease XGP, which is the anthragranulomatous pyelonephritis and beyond. And in truth, um, on this talk, I'm going to focus on XGP. It's an unusual diagnosis, and I picked today to speak about it because I've seen three cases in the last month, and all three of them were misdiagnosed at outside hospitals. Everyone knows all mistakes are made at outside hospitals, but I thought... Since all of you are at outside hospitals, I would share our experience with you. So what is XGP? It's a chronic destructive granulomatous process. It results from a typical incomplete immune response to a subacute bacterial infection. The, the parenchyma in the kidney is replaced by lipid-laden macrophages. Unlike processes like emphysematous polynephritis, it's only about 10% of cases of diabetics. It's more common in females than males, and it's more common in patients in their 40s and 50s. Clinically, 90% of patients have pyuria, with over 60% of patients having positive urine cultures, and hematuria in about 18% of cases. We wrote an article very long time ago. Stan Goldman is retired. Glenn Hartman is retired. Presenting signs and symptoms including pain, urinary frequency, dysuria, nocturia, palpable mass, leukocytosis, and fever were all seen. The duration of symptoms was usually short, under six months, considering the extent of the process. And this was the first key article in XGP. Most of the time, pre-CT, XGP was diagnosed from surgery. Patients would have flank pain, maybe get an IVP, it looked abnormal, maybe an abscess, and you found a big mass in the kidney, maybe the kidney was non-functioning, and you would see a psoas abscess. And the way XGP often presented was not because of the kidney per se, because the patient had a psoas abscess. So when you look at XGP, what do you see? Well, the classic thing is a large staghorn calculus, but not in all cases. XGP usually involves the entire kidney, but can be focal occasionally. It's an extensive inflammatory process. There's decreased renal function and at times no renal function. It's usually unilateral and the kidney is enlarged with severe hydronephrosis and expansion of the calyces. As I mentioned, it's commonly associated with extra renal disease from the perirenal to the pararenal space to the psoas muscles to the abdominal wall. A very aggressive process. Uh, in our article, there was CT identification of unsuspected extension beyond the renal capsule with involvement of the perirenal space in 11 cases pararenal space 13 and psoas in 6. The pararenal space and the psoas muscle were often extensively involved with minimal perirenal disease in 6 patients, a reflection of the chronic indolent nature of the infection. So again, it's not the typical pyelonephritis that we see in the ER patient has symptoms for 24 hours. This is often a chronic process and only when you have significant involvement of the psoas muscle or significant perirenal or pararenal space involvement is the patient symptomatic. Now I'm going to show you a number of cases, describe them, but it's clear after you've looked at these cases that it has a certain pattern. Here you see a dilated, poorly functioning right kidney. The calyxes are enlarged. The kidney is big. When you have TB, the kidney is small and there's lots of calcifications, but the kidney is often small and the ureter is involved. Here you see involvement in the posterior peri and pararenal space, and you see extension through the abdominal wall into the patient's paraspinal muscles. That extension, nicely seen here, 
is very classic for XGP. And yes, many infections, even pancreatitis, can extend through the abdominal wall, but this pattern from kidney is classic for XGP. And here it is in the coronal view. Again, the calyces are markedly dilated. The pattern is not a simple hydronephrosis as you might think about in a stone because there's calyectasis. There may be stones present. There may be small stones in addition to the staghorn calculus, but it's this non-enhancement and the low density of the calyces that is classic. Another example, large kidney dilated calyces perirenal space, pararenal space, involvement of the right psoas, and paraspinal muscles. And these days, you still may need a nephrectomy, or they may drain initially percutaneously the abscess in the muscle, put a nephrostomy tube in, but often these patients will end up with nephrectomy because there's very little function, if any, left in the kidney. And you can see from this example how extensive the extra renal component can indeed be. Another example, marcaliectasis in large kidney with some function. You could say maybe duplicate vessels, maybe UPJ, maybe this, maybe that. But the more you look at it, it's XGP. Another example here, look at the calyces. That is not going to be a simple stone process. Or this case, large staghorn calculus, huge psoas abscess. Okay, you can get abscesses with almost any infection. You think about infections of the kidney, if they're extensive, but those aren't so indolent. This is impressive. Another example, same patient, large calculi, impressive extension. Sometimes with XGP, the kidneys are relatively small, like in this case, you can see the poor renal function, the loss of cortex, but the kidney in general is not very large, but you do see involvement of the paraspinal muscles, <clears throat> the psoas muscle, and you can see it very nicely in those images. Another case of XGP, large staghorn calculus, multiple calcifications. In this case, there is some preservation of the upper pole cortex. Most of the cases I've showed you till now, the entire kidney is destroyed. Sometimes it can be what one would consider focal XGP, and you can see the lack of function to the lower pole of the left kidney. You can see very nicely the calyectasis, the stones, some flow to the upper pole, and again, here it is with nephrostomy tube. Again, very large renal calculi are really the hallmark of this disease. Now, if you have large staghorn calculi, it doesn't mean you have XGP. Many people have staghorn calculi, but most of the time you're getting some infection, it's not only gonna be XGP. And in this case, again, showing you the example of the dilated calyces, lower half of the kidney, this disease process, although usually global and unilateral, can be focal and unilateral as well. Another case, non-contrast scan, the right kidney is enlarged. The calyces are distended you really see the involvement on the coronal view, and you see the extent of involvement with perirenal space changes. And then you look at how much inflammation there is going through the abdominal wall into the paraspinal muscles, as well as into the uh, psoas muscle. And when you give IV contrast, the lack of function of the right kidney, 
and the extension into the muscle with multiple abscesses is better seen. This will subsequently be drained. You'll have a nephrostomy tube placed. You may have drainage of the individual muscle collections. These patients are indeed very sick, and if these patients are not treated, there's a high morbidity and high mortality in this scenario. Another example here, again, part of that last case, markedly dilated calyces, involvement of the peri and pararenal space, and involvement of the paraspinal muscles. Another example, good case of central calcifications, your smaller staghorn calculus, there is some residual cortex in the patient's right kidney, but most of the right kidney is literally just a bunch of calyces with a bunch of calcifications present. And you can see when you do the coronals, there is some residual cortex, and I've showed you the images that show it best, but the function is probably 15%. So again, you probably want to preserve function as long as the patient's infection is under control. But you could see it's a challenge, and here again are the images in the coronal plane with a normally functioning contralateral left kidney. And here's just some more images, just a very nice example showing you the patient's staghorn calculus. And again, here's the MIP imaging with the stones, the small right renal artery. On venous phase imaging, some enhancement in the right kidney, the markedly dilated calyx, the thickening centrally. And then on delayed phase imaging, there is some excretion, but very minimal. Nice excretion from the left kidney. So a good example. And here it is again on the coronal view. Again, when you think about all the cases I'm showing you, and I'm trying to show you a number of cases, they begin to look the same. Another case, multiple calculi, dilated renal pelvis, dilated calyces. In this case, the kidney has much better function than we typically see with XGP, but you can see there's decreased and delayed function present. Vessels are, are positioned correctly. Again, the enhancement is decreased. The calyces are dilated. Multiple stones are present. This is an excellent example, not the worst example, but an excellent example of XGP. And as I go through the various images, you can see the calyces, stretching of the vessels, loss of cortex, thinning of cortex, and the other changes that I've showed you a moment ago as well. And I can show you a number of different perspectives. Here's 3D volume rendering from the venous phase, and here is renderings from the excretory phase. You can see the calyces are deformed. There's no really good excretion of contrast material. There is some function in the kidney, and this patient was hoping to be treated so they can get function back. Another case. This is a great case because the patient has bilateral XGP. Uh, the left is small kidney. I guess we thought maybe it's bilateral XGP. It could be. The right is obvious. The left kidney is small. Bilateral XGP would indeed be rare, but could occur. And again, going through a range of volume renderings and MIP imaging really shows you the extent of the inflammation and how you can lose significant amount of your cortex and still not have rip-roaring infection uh, and how these can be very indolent-type infections. So I've covered XGP, and in the title of my talk, I said XGP and beyond. So let me take you a little bit beyond and give you another inflammatory disease that we often talk about in conference, talk about in lectures, but don't see all that commonly. But when you do see it, it's critical. That, that's going to be 
uh, emphyseminous polynephritis. It's a life-threatening infection of the kidneys characterized by gas formation within and surrounding the kidneys. Unlike XGP, where 10% of patients have diabetes, here it's 90%, and the non-diabetic patients are typically immunosuppressed. These are the patients who can die without immediate intervention. Organisms, E. coli, Klebsiella, Proteus. CT is the study of choice for detecting the enlargement of the kidney, poor function, detecting air in the calyces or in the parenchyma, fluid collections in or around the kidney, as well as air fluid levels and tissue necrosis. Couple examples. Minimal function left kidney, the kidneys being destroyed. Look at all of those air collections present. Another example, at best minimal left cortex is seen. Destruction of the kidney, air in the calyces and ureter. Another example, beautiful example, there is no normal left kidney. This is a surgical emergency. The patient gets a nephrectomy. Again, think about um, the prior topic, XGP. It's more of a chronic process, emphyseminous. Uh, polynephritis is really an acute process. Sometimes it's diagnosed late and it has very high morbidity and mortality. You can see in this case the air and the extension of infection is now in the peri and pararenal space, so it can be almost anywhere. So I've covered with you two unique entities, really focusing on XGP, commenting on polynephritis emphyseminous type. Rules for XGP Staghorn calculus, big kidney, marketed calyces, poor if any function, got to be thinking XGP, got to make the right diagnosis, and hopefully now that I've showed you a bunch of cases, you will. Have a great day.